What is up, everybody? Welcome to a TGIFF edition of Texans All Access, a day before the game edition of Texans All Access. And holy cow, how exciting does it get? I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter from Indianapolis. Now, I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain because of our travel schedule, trying to get a two-hour show from 6 to 8 p.m., Back here in Houston, well, I recorded this before we took off. So, we still have got all the same elements because everything moved up. We got all the same elements we normally would have. Do we have D'Amico Ryans in his pregame talk with Mark Vandermeer? Yes, we have that. Do we have a Drew's Dozen and a pregame interview with Drew? Yes, we have that with Jerry Hughes. Do we have an assistant coach joining us? Yes, we do. One of our favorites, Gerard Johnson, for many, many reasons. Bo Mark and I did work with Gerard even before he got in the building, and he tells some tremendous stories. We go uh, way back to 2019 when the Elite 11 camp, he was the coach of C.J. Stroud, so we talked about that. Do we have an enemy, behind enemy sidelines interview? Yes, we do. Drew Doherty did that. Do we have some cutlets from Drew? Yes, we have Michael Dieter joining us. Do we have my picks and our keys? Yes, we have all of that. Do we have D'Amico Reloaded? At the end of the show, yes, we do. So we've got everything we would normally have. We just, I just had to record it before we took off. So hopefully everybody's okay with that because this game is as big as it gets regular season-wise. Uh, you know, when you think back to 2011, even had the Texans lost that game to the Bengals, they still could have won another couple of games at the end of the year to get into the playoffs at that point. It is after the fact you look back and go, oh, yeah, that was a massive game because they won it and then got some help so they could get in the playoffs. We remember that as a tremendous regular season game. I still think, first and foremost, number one will always be 2002, the opener against the Cowboys. Um, But other massive regular season games, I don't know that any other matches up to this at least heading in. I don't know that we've played a game playoffs and in in the regular season. We played some big, big primetime games. Cowboys in 18 comes to mind. Uh, Titans in 18 comes to mind. Uh, the Chiefs in 17 on Sunday night was a massive ball game. Uh, Alex Smith against Deshaun. That was incredible. No regular season game has ever had this on the line. Win and in in the last week of the year. I mean, <laughs> you think about Think about the recent years that we've had. In 2022, we were playing the Colts, and, well, there's no sense in rehashing that. 21, we played the Titans. We were trying to keep them from the number one seed, but we were just playing out the string. 2020, we lost to the Titans again on the final play of the game, but where were we going? Nowhere. 19, we were playing the JV squad uh, in the final week of the regular season because we had clinched the division the year before that. 2018, we had to clinch the division on the final day, but we were playing a really not-so-good Jacksonville Jaguar team uh, in our building. 2017, we played one of the most, I don't want to say worst regular season games ever, but when the Colts and Texans lined up in 2017, there were names on that roster. You're like, wait, who? Who's Chris Slade? Yeah. So 2016, we went to Tennessee, playing a JV roster again um, in, in that particular game. So the end of the regular season has not been very sexy. In fact, three of those times we were playing JV rosters because we had clinched the division the week before. So it sort of goes without saying this one, big. And perhaps nobody knows it more than D'Amico Ryans, and he sat down with Mark Vandermeer. Mark, take it away. 
All right, Coach, here we go, Indianapolis. How has preparation been for this one? A little bit different with the shorter week and such. Yeah, a little different. It's been a really solid week of preparation. I feel like our guys got the much-needed rest that we needed, and now we put the work in these past two days, right, to be in a good position to go out and play our best on Saturday. A lot is said about Jonathan Taylor. He's had some big days against the Texans historically, but this is a new Colts team. Let's talk about the run, though, how you approach stopping the run. You've been doing it very well, especially lately. Right. This team here, the Colts, they they hang their hats on running the football. So they're going to stay after it. Shane really likes to run the ball. So, again, stopping the run, it always goes back to our front four. Right. If our interior D tackles, our DNs, they do a really good job of resetting the line of scrimmage and we can gain, get some negative plays in the run game, think that that will get them out of their run game early and force them to throw the ball. And that's – Kind of, that's our game plan. That's what we have to do, right? We really can't let them continue to get positive yardage in the run game or they'll continue to do it all day and stay ahead of the chains. What has Gardner Minshew done for them this season and what concerns you about him in this matchup? I think Gardner has given them confidence that they can go win games with the backup quarterback, right? He's proven to be able to make plays. I think they've made the game plan easy for him by relying heavily on the run game and the RPO game. So they throw the most RPOs in the league. So the ball is coming out fast. So Gardner doesn't have to sit back, hold the ball and make, the right decision is happening quick for him. So we have to play tight coverage. We have to stop the run. And the thing where Gardner has thrived a lot is where he scrambles out of the pocket and he makes those off-schedule throws that turns into explosives. And that's where they've gotten their big plays. And that's where we have to be conscious of as a defensive line. Like, where is he trying to escape to, right? We have to make sure we are on it try to make make sure we're containing him, keeping him in the pocket, and force him all right, to make some tough throws within the pocket and not off schedule. They have a lot of guys who get a lot of sacks. So what about the pass protection part of this for you? Yeah, for us, we have to be solid in the interior. We know, right, Buckner and Stewart, those are two big-time players. So we have to dominate those guys, which is a tough task. Mm-hmm. But our edges is where uh, the first game, we didn't handle the edges too well. So – and they got us, right? They were able to force a fumble on us, and then they turn around and score right after that turnover. So for us, if we can handle the edges. I think we'll do a really good job on the interior guys, handling the edges, making sure we're protecting inside out. That will allow CJ to have time, right, and see if we can gain some explosives down the field. You've had some great moments this year in the third phase, the kicking game. What about that matchup with the Colts? Yeah, that matchup is going to be – it's going to be an interesting one to watch. I think it's all on the, the punt game, right, mm-hmm. punt – block team and also the punt protection like they do a really great job of rushing the punter right mm-hmm. they have many various looks really good scheme really well coached so they're going to stress us in our protection so we have to protect first protect 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 that's the most important thing right because these guys have blocked i think four kicks on the year so we have to make sure we're on it there and then when it comes to the return game Right, we got to see if we can force them right, mm-hmm. to make a bad kick or force a block. But in the return game, can we just get going? Can we gain positive yardage? Can we create some momentum for our team in a punt return game? I think it's there. Everybody dominate their one-on-one block. We'll have a chance. Great stuff, Coach. Good right. luck. Thank you, Mark. Great stuff from D'Amico, as always. Now, one of the coaches that he got to know a little bit in 2017 when he was on San Francisco, but we all in Houston already knew about him from Humble. Plays college ball at Texas A&M, played in the NFL, played in a number of different leagues, became a coach, ended up in San Francisco with the Bill Walsh Fellowship, 
ended up in Indianapolis for a few years, was around Nick Sirianni for a few years, and then went to Minnesota, and then ended up here with the Houston Texans. That's Gerard Johnson. Done some radio with Mark. He actually did a college football game with me. I was calling a game with my TV partner, Tom Franklin, and they said, oh, yeah, you're going to have Gerard on the sidelines. I'm like, Gerard who? And they go, Gerard Johnson. I'm like, the Gerard Johnson? I'm like, what am I doing up here? That guy knows everything about football, and he was going to prove it. Uh, but Gerard was just trying things on for size, trying to find out what would work. Coaching works. He has a natural gift for being a leader, being a coach. We talked about all of that with Gerard Johnson right here. Here with us now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, Texans quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson. Gerard, how's it going? Going good, man. Just uh, had a good day of practice. Got some good weather. Uh, got, got, got a lot of good work in, so it was a good day. Outstanding. Well, I've been waiting for this visit for a long time. All right, <laughs> he has. And he said this. This is that's th- no lie. This is not the first time you and I have been on the air together. In fact, it was probably well over ten years ago. Yeah. Well, what a journey it's been for you. Me, not so. No, I've been here the whole time, and I love it. But you've had this odyssey of being a quarterback, coaching, working your way up, and here you are now. How does it feel to be back in Houston and the quarterbacks coach of this team? Uh, for me, man, it's a it's a it's a dream come true. You know, you grow up your whole life in, in humble where I'm from. You know, and and uh, you know you watch the Texans. It's your local team. It's your home team. And so you want to first off as a player, you want to play for the Texans. You know, you just want to do something to get in this building. Um, and then all the things I've been through, all the places I've coached, all the things I did in the game of football for all to kind of circle back here. Um, you know, it's been pretty pretty kind of surreal to say the least, but it's definitely a dream of mine. Uh, you know, coaching for the Texans and and uh, starting our family this year as well. Me and my wife. Oh, congratulations! Um, you know, all those different things for it all to kind of happen right now is kind of surreal for me, but I'm definitely enjoying it and trying to make the most of it. So the question I was going to have for you, I got two of them now, mm-hmm. but I was going to ask you your level of exhaustion at this point of the year. But wait, what's this? Ten years ago, you guys are on air. What? Well, when John Lopez and I did mornings together, oh, he would bring Gerard okay. in and we'd okay, talk. Okay, okay, we'd have okay. some good conversations. Okay. Well, you I, know, when when you're chasing it, you know, I, I, I can say I was chasing it, you yeah. know, and chasing playing in the NFL. And, you know, you can't take like a, a corporate job or a nine to five right. because mm-hmm. if your phone rings, you got to go. Right, right. Um, but you want to stay around the game and you want to kind of use your skills. And, and so, you know, I was coaching. I mean, any, you name it in the game of football, yeah, talking yeah. about it coaching it, okay. playing flag. I mean, you name it, I was doing it to try to keep my dream alive, and I'm, I'm very thankful for all those experiences. So at this point of the year, Drod, we know it because we, we experience it, but it's different for you guys. Your level of exhaustion, and obviously you add it to your family, so that's another one. Kind of building off of that point, the level of exhaustion I would imagine is pretty high, but do you remind yourself at times like, hey, man, I think back to those years where I wasn't so sure – I got to be able to respect what I've got going on right now. You kind of have that feeling going on right now. Like, hey, I'm tired, but hey, I'm in a really good spot where, where, where I want to be. I mean, the season's definitely a grind for us coaches. I mean, we, we work we work long hours, work really hard just to try to give ourselves a chance on Sunday. But but that being said, I mean, all you can hope for in this league is a chance. Yeah. You know, you, you hope for hope and you hope for a chance. And you just don't know the, how many times these chances come available. So I would say we got a lot of juice. I actually have a lot of energy. Just the, being in the playoff hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you don't, just don't know how many times in your career these are going to happen. So from an energy standpoint, it's kind of like that's that extra kind of espresso shot of, yeah. of juice for you that really you wake up every day. You kind of attack the day because you just want to seize these opportunities because they're fleeting. Yep. Gerard Johnson joining us, coaches, quarterbacks for your Texans. You've played quarterback, spent time in several different organizations, different leagues even. How has that helped you be a better quarterback's coach? I just think my perspective on the game. You know, uh, I think all the places I've been and kind of my journey, I've learned something from everywhere I've been. 
you know, and so from all the places I played, all the different, you know, teams I played for and the offenses I played for, you, you store something away from there. You know, whether it's coaching at Houston St. Thomas where I spent time, you know, you learn something mm -hmm. coaching high school kids. You got to find yep. a way. You got to get creative. Mm -hmm. um, and then you do my combine and combine prep and, and training some of the top high, uh, high school and college guys in the country in the training space for mechanics and then spend the last – yeah, I guess uh, four or five, four years, you know, working out of Nick Suriani and then working with, with Kevin O'Connell and all those and those systems. So, I mean, all those different experiences kind of have made me who I am in my perspective. And all I hope that I can take something from my journey to relate to the guys I'm coaching, to give yep. them some information, to, to help them be the best version of themselves. So a few years ago, in fact, I think it was the summer of 19, you spent some time in Elite 11. And that's where I used to always see you. I used to watch that Elite 11 program. I'm like, oh, there's Gerard. You know, you'd see all those guys that were there at that. And I would see Gerard, and I would see you there. And then there was one year they interviewed you about your quarterbacks that you had on your on your team. Mm -hmm. And I think you had four of them at the time, and they would show the games in order. And it was like, first game, you know, Bryce Young is that guy. Then Drew Pine is that guy. And all of a sudden, so about halfway through, this kid from Rancho Cucamonga takes over as your quarterback, C.J. Stroud. And you're like, whoa, okay. And then he has a couple of games, and – you guys win the whole thing. He's the MVP, and I thought, mm, okay, I've got to keep an eye on his C.J. Stroud character. And now you two are together here in Houston. I want to go back to that moment at Elite 11. What did you learn about C.J. then that you really have seen carry forward four years now to where he is with this team, Texas 23? I think he has an inherent drive and, like, a want to really be, to be really good and to be the best. I think that that was the time for us. You know, he came in and – he wasn't as highly as recruited as a lot of the other guys there, but he recognized the opportunity. And honestly, he was so hungry for information. He was hungry to get better. And uh, just to see his confidence grow every single day. I mean, he asked me questions. I mean, Trent Dofer, uh, you know, Whitfield, and everybody else that was there, Jordan Palmer. I mean, the whole organization, you know, kind of the Elite 11 Nike circuit yep. and the quarterback guru life yep. in my former life. Yeah. You know, but just he was just a sponge for information. And there was just a hunger and a fire in him to kind of be the best version of himself that, you know, now – you know, fast forward to now, and he's a, he's a grown man, and he's, you know, went through the things he's done and had the success he's had. He still has that hunger every single day that he holds himself to a standard, um, and he's very intense with himself. He's very intentional, and like I said, those traits you saw as a 17-year-old are still there now as an adult yep. who's leading our franchise, and, and honestly, it's been, for me, it's been a joy to coach him. I really enjoyed it, and I have a lot of respect for who he is as a person, a lot of, a lot of respect for where he's come from the things that have kind of made him the man that he is, how his family's raised him. I mean, he's a special kid. He's a special – I want to call him a kid. He's a special man. Yep. He's a special player, and uh, I'm very fortunate to coach him. Yeah. But it blows my mind that he's 22 years old. I <laughs> yeah. just can't believe it. Gerard, is that the magical combination there when you have talent plus that kind of hard work and drive and leadership skills? Is that what it is? It is. I mean, there's, there's more than one way to play the position, and, and I, what I try to stress to him is, man, I want you to be unapologetically yourself. The best version of yourself is going to be you being your authentic self. You know, whatever that entails, I need you to be that because that's how you're going to get to where you want to go. You know, and so uh, he is himself. You know, he's he's a great leader. He's a great teammate. Um, he's a really good pr player. He works really hard. Uh, and, and I just think that, you know, when you have that, you give yourself a chance to have success in this league. And then it comes down to making plays. And he's done that at a pretty high rate. Jordan or Gerard, what is Case and Davis, what have Case and Davis meant? Now, we saw both of them on the field, Case more so in the, in the Titans game and the Titans win. And that'll be a win that Houstonians are going to remember for a long time for a lot of different reasons. But what have those two meant to the room with, obviously, CJ, a rookie, a 22-year-old taking over the team? 
what have they meant to the room and how have they sort of helped each other get better each day? Well, I think for us in the room, I think it all comes down to respect. Um, I think for them, I mean, one, I think they all played well in camp. So the, the, at the end of the day, amongst players, your respect comes from ability to ball, ability to play the position. Yep. And I think CJ coming in, as talented as he is and as how much confidence he has, to watch Davis make some throws. I mean, Davis makes some throws that not many people in this world can. To watch Case operate and run a huddle, do the things that makes him special in the plays he makes by – by anticipating and studying defense and all those different things, I think they became close because they all respect each other. And then for those guys to watch a young kid come in and have that kind of success as a quarterback coach, for me, I mean, that's best case because at the end of the day, everybody, I mean, game recognizes game. Everybody respects each other in the room. Yep. And then once CJ was announced a starter and he starts playing well, then we're all moving forward together as a unit. And I just think Davis and Case, just, they, they, bring, they bring perspective. I think in any organization, in any situation, you want diversity of thought, you want diversity of experience. And Case has seen so much and done so much, you know, that I, I give Case the full, full floor when we're on the sideline and we're all working as a unit because he has legitimate answers. He has legitimate experiences that, you know, I think CJ can learn from and he has learned from. And the same with Davis. Davis has been through a lot in his young career. You know, I think Davis has a lot of good football ahead of him. He's, I think he's a really good player, but he's been through a lot. And so I, those guys go to dinner on Friday. They've really kind of gelled. And I think as a group, we understand what's best for the Texans is for us to be a strong, strong knit group. And everybody who's in that room brings something to the table. And if CJ's driving the car at the time, it's all of our job to try to yep. make his life as easy as he can so he can drive the car. Quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson joining us. How would you define the culture here? Again, you've been several different places. You've seen how things operate. You're with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach. And you were in San Francisco for a bit as quality control, right? How would you define what you see here with the Texans organization, the culture in 2023? I think it starts with D'Amico. You know, he was a tough player. I think he's very matter-of-fact. He's very direct. He doesn't mince his words. And I think that we have a relentless group. We have it on the wall. And, I, you know, I've been able to be a coach speaker cliche, but I think we have a hungry group of guys who, who really just are relentless and straining to be the best version of ourselves. And I think that's, that's really cool to see because if everybody individually is constantly trying to become – you know, better and, and putting in the work to do the things to kind of push the limits of their own ability. When the guy to your right is doing that, the guy to your left is doing that, then it holds you accountable individually. And I just think we're kind of creating a culture of guys and coaches and, and trainer, everybody here coming every day with your hard hat on, ready to be the best version of yourself, to try to put your hand in the pile, to try to push this organization ultimately where we want to go. Gerard, you, after San Francisco, you go to Indianapolis for, and I can't remember if it was two or three years, but you were there for, for a decent amount of time, and, and you and I would talk before the game. It was always great to see you. Always wanted to come back to Houston, um, but you've come back to Houston in the right situation. Is it odd? And I know the NFL works this way. You go from one team to the next. You play your former team, all that kind of stuff. But you did spend some intimate time and a lot of quality time up in Indianapolis. Is it odd to go back up there and play them, especially in a game this big? Uh, yeah, I mean that was I mean that was my really like first major full time coaching experience in the NFL yeah. was was with the Colts, and so I have a lot of respect and, and love for the city and that organization for giving me that opportunity. Chris Ballard, the general manager, he was a godsend for me. Mm -hmm. He scouted me as a player, and he was. And him and Frank were, but I say Chris was probably the biggest uh, reason I was at Indianapolis and gave me that opportunity. So I have the utmost respect for them, uh, a lot of respect for those players. I was there. We drafted, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, and Michael Pittman and around Quentin and all those guys. So, I mean, they're a really good team. They're, they're a group who's, who's hungry. Um, I know Shane a little bit as well through Nick, him and Nick Sirianni, yep. they're really close, and the, and the Eagle staff who were all – Indianapolis with me but I'm excited to go back um, but and I have a lot of respect for that place but uh, you know I'm getting a coach for my home team for yeah. a shot to get into the playoffs man so uh, a lot of respect for Indianapolis but uh, you know we're, we're hopefully we can go up there and get the job done yep. all right one more for you and allow me to go back 
AAU basketball. <laughs> oh, right. boy. Yeah, AAU basketball, and you played for Coach John Lopez, right? Mm, yes, Houston Hoops. Okay, so tell me how Coach Lopez was leading the team. What kind of coach was John Lopez? He was great, you know. I mean, he's a communicator. He's a connector, you know, and so he really was just, I mean, he we ran the 1-3 run press. He had a really good feel for the game. You know, like I said, he coached me from, I think, fourth grade on to my senior year in the summer. Wow, school. man. You know, that's so, not too much Lopez? Uh, you know what? It's 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 a lot of Lopez, man, but I, I think the world of Coach Lopez, him and Jacob, I mean, they're like yeah. family to me, you know, and so uh, – but it was a lot of great experiences. But he was a really good coach. And he was great handling personality. He's a great communicator. And he just cares, you know. And as a player, if you know your coach cares, you know that's 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 really what what drives you to to play for him. But we had a lot of fun, a lot of bags of burgers. You know, that was his go to with the feeding, you know, 12, 12 15 year old boys in a, in a in a in a van going to who knows where we we're playing basketball <laughs> tournaments. But uh, it was a lot of good good times. We had to we had a really good team. We played a lot of good talent. A lot of guys in the, that are in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those moments made me realize that I was a football player. You know? <laughs> so. So it was a good time, man, and I'm very thankful to Hal Passner and the Houston Hoops and that organization that's still rolling right now yeah. and putting out players. But it was, it was a, definitely a bright spot in my childhood or my growing up was playing for the Hoops. Excellent. Well, Gerard, thanks so much for joining us, and we appreciate the visit. Best of luck. Thank you. Man, I had a blast talking with Gerard. I wish we had gotten to do that a lot earlier, and he's going to be head coach for too long. Uh, there's, there's no question in my mind. He's going to rise through the ranks. He has such a, a great feel for leadership and has done a really good job with C.J. Straub this year. Obviously, having that, that knowledge, institutional knowledge of C.J. before that and seeing him grow, that was one thing, obviously, we talked a lot about uh, in this conversation. But really, really good stuff until he started talking about Lopez. And then it just went down. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I love the OG. Uh, and it was always cool because it's funny because, you know, the, I always would use the word coach for somebody that I know has coached me or has been a coach for a long time. But it's kind of it's always strange when you don't know somebody as coach and then you hear somebody call them coach because Coach Lopez. I'm like, whoa, that's weird and wild. But good stuff from Gerard and from D'Amico. Okay, big one on Friday, on Saturday. Got to get ready. And to do that, we'll have my keys to the game. But what I've done the last couple of weeks is I brought Mark Vandermeer into my lair so we could do a little bit of the keys together. So we'll bounce those keys, both sides of the ball, and obviously special teams as well. The Colts are, well, the Colts are pretty good at hitting a punter um, because they get back there so quickly. And we got to talk about all of that next on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and the voice of the Texans who's called every single game of this franchise history. T-O-V, the official voice. Oh, no, T-V. No, it's V-O-T. It's V-O-T. That's voice what the guy Texans. down the hall said to yeah. me. Oh, you weren't in on this conversation. No. It was Andy and Drew on Tuesday, and he called me the OV. Oh, I heard you guys. Yeah, I was listening. Yeah, and yeah. I said a guy down the hall, one of the security guys here for the mm-hmm. CFP. That's a lot right. of ac- acronyms going on right mm-hmm. now. He said VOT to me. I'm VOT. Oh, voice of the Texans. Voice of the Texans. Pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I can't promote it myself. I liked. I liked Andy's answer. The OV. You like the OV? Or the original voice. Okay. And which. But that implies there might be another voice. Right, that's true. There's no other. There's no and other. And there won't be. There's from no my, other. From my cold, dead hands, you will pry <laughs> this microphone. Um. Okay, though, but I, I have, I'm going to throw a math question at you before we get to our keys to this game, right? Do it. Okay. So you started in 2002, right? Correct. And we went up to Indianapolis. Yes. And we went up to Indianapolis 
How many times from 2002 to 2013? 13. That was that was 13 times? Yeah. Wait. Uh, that was 12 uh, times. Oh, it's a 2013, right. you said. So that was 12 times, right? That was 12 times. Okay. okay. And the record was? Uh, 0 and 12. Okay. Yeah. 2014, my first year on the sideline mm-hmm. through 2002. Oh, you have a good record up there, relatively. Yeah. If we win on on Saturday, uh-huh. of the games, it'll be ten games up in Indianapolis. Yeah. Five and five if we win. You're five and five. I'll in be five Indy? and five up in Indy if when, we win. When we when win. we win, we'll be five and five Johnny, up in ama- Indy. That's an How about amazing. That? That's the stat of the weekend yes! right there. How about that? Five and five. If you the will Texans not get the keep win? me off that plane, I need to be on that plane so we can go five and five. So then I, I did a little research, and I started thinking, okay, oh boy, D'Amico's never won up there, right? And I was like, okay, well, he played with Philly, and he coached at San Francisco. So I checked the coaching first. In 17, they lost up in India. I'm like, oh, no. Yes. Yeah, he was quality control. I know. (laughs) I know. But in 2014, as a member of the Eagles, Mm -hmm. they beat the Colts up in India. Oh, good. So So there's nothing to worry about in that Nothing to worry about there. Not that we think about such things and we're superstitious at all. Right, 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 right. But it's – listen, I realized in 2015 – and obviously, having been a you know a Texans fan before I got on the sidelines, I knew how difficult it was to win in Indian. And when a place kind of has its house of horrors grip on you, it's like you've got to do everything possible to break it. And sometimes you never know where that's going to come from. And they came from Brandon Whedon and Jalen Strong. Yeah. I mean, wait, what? Of all years. Yeah. Of all years, you did it then. Uh, and you, look, you hang around me, so you know I tell these stories often. Texans tales of the past. So we don't need to do that because the team is so different. You were telling me off the air before mm-hmm. we started here, uh, you were going over the last primetime game. Right? Non Thursday night primetime game. Yeah. So Thursday, well, have we had, oh, we had a Thursday night in 21 against the Patriots. Right. Was that the Patriots? Well, we had or a Thursday Panthers? night 21 against the Panthers. Panthers. And then last year was against Eagles. But oh, yeah. you get a Thursday night game. Yeah. Now, technically, the 2020 game was a Thursday night game too, but it's a it was a prime timer. It's because it's it's op- that was opening night of the whole right. league. Right. So in that game, so let's say 2020 mm-hmm. opening night, mm-hmm. how many players are still here from that Texans team? There will be three that play on Saturday. Three now, that, Eric Titus. Murray and Titus Howard mm-hmm. played in that game, but they they're injured. Obviously, we won't see those two. Three. Three will play three. in this game that played in the last non-Thursday primetime game. The league game. is so fluid because McLean pointed out last night, even from the first matchup with the Colts this year, Yeah, and I misunderstood his question because he said, how many offensive players, starters, are going to be started on Saturday night that started in week two? Yeah. That's a lot of McLean impersonation. Well, I me. mean, I'm just, I just pulled it up. It was two. It's two. Tank Dell out. Josh Jones we could see him, but he started. Laramie Tunsil will start. Kendrick Green started at left guard. He's out for the year. Jared Patterson started center. He's out for the year. Shaq. I said to Shaq when I saw him in the locker room, I was like, hey, man, you got a break today. And he kind of smiled. <laughs> he knew oh. exactly what I was talking about. Uh, George Fanner, right tackle. Now we'll see how it goes, whether it's Charlie or George. Tegan Quatoriano at tight end. Wow. Um, Robert wow. Woods. Hopefully Robert's back. CJ back. And then Damian. We anticipate Devin will, will start. Um, so that's so, two. Yeah, two? that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of change. A lot of change in sixteen from, weeks from week two. And all right, back to that twenty twenty opening night game. The Texans only three players mm-hmm. remain. Yep. 
What about the Chiefs? You were telling me about the Chiefs now. Yeah. If you look at the Chiefs from 2020 opening night right. to where they are now, it's amazing, and it goes to what you and I have always talked about this for years. The league, the, the churn on players mm-hmm. is tremendous. We yep. should bring this up with Nick next week. That the Chiefs, it looks similar because you have Patrick Mahomes, right. the quarterback. Kelsey, Kelsey. is there. Yep. But the rest of them, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, right. Chris Jones. But the rest of and them. That's about it. It's about it. Yeah. They're all different. Yeah. And it's incredible. And they went to the Super Bowl that year. They got bumped out by the Bengals year before. They won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. So it's not as if they, like us, sort of hit, hopefully, bottom. rock bottom. And then came back up, so you're resetting the roster. That's why you give them a ton of credit for what they've yes. done as an organization. The and entire the, offensive line from 2020 is gone. And I'm here to tell you, I always pointed this out about the Patriots. Tom Brady's there, a mm-hmm. couple of other guys, but the rest of them churn, churn, churn. Yep. Throughout the 20 years he was there, are you kidding? They flipped that team hot 10 times over. It's amazing. And still were successful, and for the Chiefs to still be this good, and I know they're having a down year, but Johnny, here they are. They're having a down year. We'll go back to the postseason and see how it goes. I mean, that's that's what's happening with them. Yep. Win the division, uh, host a home playoff game, take it from there. That's a down year for the Chiefs. My yeah, goodness. it is. I mean, they're going to play a road playoff game with Patrick Mahomes for the first time ever. If they if win. If they advance. If they, fit, if they advance, exactly. they got to win their game at home. I wouldn't mind having a shot at them. I'm I'm with you. And we've gone through the, the playoff scenarios. Um I usually save this for my keys to the game. So mm-hmm. in this, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. I feel like there, there are two keys to the game. There are many other ancillary ones, but I feel like there are two massive ones, and I want to get your thoughts on them. Number one, I feel like the Colts, guard center guard are as good. That trio is as good as any in the league. Mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Will Freeze. Freeze is the one that's that's is, is a bit surprising. I watched him in week two, and I'm watching him during the game. And I'm like, man, he's pretty good. Kind of uh, came out of nowhere. I think those three guys set the tone. I think their tackles are a little shaky. Braden Smith's been shaky because he's been banged up. Bernard Ryman has been shaky just because he's trying to find himself uh, as a young offensive tackle. But that trio of guard center guard for the Colts, I think, sets the tone for everything they do. On the other side, I feel like it's two guys. I feel like it is Buck and Stewart. It's Grover Stewart. It's DeForest Buckner. And if you can control them, you'll have a chance to do what you want. But if you don't control them, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. What does control mean? Just keep them off CJ? Just keep them off CJ for the most part. They're going to get their run stops. Yeah. You don't want them creating TFLs. You don't want them beating a block one-on-one and just eating up CJ quickly before he can even set his feet to throw or getting in his face, getting a big hit on him. Obviously, we don't want that to happen. Just limiting their impact in production. Keep the TFLs down. Um you know, and you know, if you get to a point where you can just occupy them, so then Devin can make cuts off of them, so Damian can make cuts off of them, as opposed to they beat a block so quickly that they're the roadblock and the backs can't yeah. go anywhere because they're right there to make a play. Well, that's kind of what Nick was saying earlier, right? Why is the running game better? Right. Nick earlier this week was telling us, well, we cut down on the TFLs. Yes, that's absolutely huge because. 
even if you get stopped a yard or two, and we saw this in the O'Brien era, if you could just make progress, I know it's not sexy, but at least you're moving forward. Right. Now you got a shot maybe on second down to do something, third down to do something. At least you're not losing yardage. Right. And that's the other thing about this game, and I pointed that out, I think it was in the pregame show with Sean and Seth last week, you got to cut down on those. It's second and 25. Yeah. It's a third and forever because you not only had a TFL, but then you took a holding penalty or right. something like that yep. or illegal hands to the face. All that crap cannot happen right. in this one. You got to keep it moving forward and get CJ in. Look, I'd love to have uh, first downs on every first down play and second down play, but get CJ in third and manageable yep. or third and even medium, and he can handle that, obviously, very well. Texans, one of the better third down teams. So let's see what they can do cutting down on those things like you pointed out. What's fascinating to me is the Colts blitz less than every team in the league, yet Mark, how many games have we seen where Kenny Moore is blitzing off the edge and nobody touches him and sacks Deshaun because or Because they whomever. don't do it. Right. I they, mean, they when they do it, they do it selectively. Yes, they do it selectively and do it well. EJ Speed had a sack on CJ where things open up. He blitzes. He sacks CJ because nobody's accounting for him. So the Texans have got to be super, super smart with that sort of thing. They cannot allow easy sacks and like you said first and second down offense are huge to me because they've got to be third manageable because if they do start to blitz if they do bring those things okay boom hit your hot that could be a first down and he's doing that and now more than he did earlier exactly and if you take profit as much as possible you will be fine okay coming up next we're gonna get a little cutlet with michael dieter plus a little pregame interview with jerry hughes fort band represent yo that's next on texas all access What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. We are already in Indianapolis getting ready for Colts v. Texans 7-15. 7-15 kickoff. Joe Troy, Lisa on TV, Mark Andre, myself on radio, and away we go. Now, we got a lot to do in this segment, so let's... Start off, and Mark and I talked about this a little bit in the segment previously. This is one, two, three. It's six questionables on each side and some big names. Two players are out for the Texans, and they're both for the Texans. Noah Brown is out dealing with a back issue. John Grenard, didn't think we would see either one of them, but both of them are out. They did not practice all week. Robert Woods... I think Aaron Wilson had put it out there a few days ago that Robert's going to try and give it a go. He's questionable. He did not practice this week. So he's questionable. So we'll see how much he is able to do. Also questionable, but at least limited participants today at practice. Will Anderson Jr., Andrew Beck, Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, Laramie Tunsil. Now the thought is, I think those guys are planning on playing, but you never know. Yeah, you have no idea. When it says questionable, it is a true coin flip. There's no doubt. I don't know if any of those guys are going to have to work out for the game uh, to try and convince the training staff they can play. But Will, Andrew, Malik, Sheldon, Laramie, questionable. Now, on the Colts side, six players questionable. Chris Lammons dealing with ankle. He did not participate in practice today. He's questionable. He played last week pretty well against the Raiders, actually. 
filling in for Kenny Moore. Now, Kenny Moore is questionable, but he's been a full participant in practice, so I expect Kenny Moore is going to play. I think we're also going to see Zach Moss and Braden Smith. They have been full participants in practice this week. Now, the two players that I think will give it a go, they're as tough as anybody out there, Ryan Kelly, center, Quentin Nelson, left guard. They're both questionable, both dealing with ankle issues. Now, watching while film against the Raiders, you couldn't tell that there was an ankle issue for either one. But as we know, at this point of the year, when you've got offensive linemen, you, they have myriad things going on. So I, my guess is we will see Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Kenny Moore, Zach Moss, Braden Smith. I think we'll see all of them. Five of the six questionable. Lamons is the one. Because he was DMP, that just makes me think that he's probably not going to be able to give it a go, especially because he replaced Kenny Moore. And it looks like Kenny Moore is going to be back. Um, which I hate because I think Kenny Moore is just a whale of a football player. Um, he and Mike Hilton, to me, are just two players I admire because they're not big dudes. They just got football IQ and will play for days. The Texans have to account for Kenny Moore, a lot of blitz and things like that. So I expect we'll see Kenny Moore. Now, one of the guys that is going to have to account for the blitz and all of that inside is Michael Dieter. Drew Doherty caught up with him for a little Drew Doherty cut. Texan center Michael Dieter here. Michael, this is a big task, always facing this Indianapolis front. How impressive are those guys on the line for the Colts? They're really good. They get off the ball really well. They play hard. They play physical. And the backers are really good, too. So it's a really fun challenge, but it's something that we're prepared for. But like you said, they're they're a really good front, and they play fast. They play physical, and we just got to be on our details, on our assignment, give us a chance. At this point in the season, how do you think as an offensive line you guys have gelled together? Well, obviously there's been a a thousand different combinations in there, which isn't always the case, but I think guys have always been ready to step up and and play, and the biggest thing is just being consistent. We just got to keep working towards that every day this week and put it on film on a Saturday. I was going to say Sunday. (laughs) How refreshing is that? You guys are playing a prime timer. It's been all noon games this whole year. It's huge. It's something that, you know, you can't take for granted, especially a game of this magnitude. It gives you a little bit of experience going into it. Maybe if, you know, we get some playoff games, all that stuff, but don't want to look too far ahead. But getting all noon games, all one o'clock games, it's cool to have one primetime game. If you're going to go into the postseason, at least have one feel of a, of a night game, a big primetime game for sure. As a team, as a whole, how confident are you all right now, especially after a win like y'all just had, especially knowing that your quarterback, C.J. Stroud, is back. Super confident, and you have to be confident. we got to just got to go out there and every every man do his job, do his assignment, trust the guy next to you, and that's all we need to do. No one has to have a superstar performance to win. Guys just got to do their job, cut it loose, and have some fun, and we'll have the results we want. Michael Dieter, appreciate the time. Best of luck on Saturday night. Thank you. All right, one of the guys I highlighted in that segment a little bit earlier with Mark, previous segment, Talking about Michael Dieter, this interior, Scruggs, Dieter, Shaq, Shaquille, Elijahwan, Mason. Those three have got to play at a level probably not seen all year. They've got to communicate with one another. They've got to be physical. They've got to pass games off. They've got to pick up blitzers. They've got to know where the blitzers are coming from. Huge, huge game for the interior of the Houston Texans. Now, also here is Jerry Hughes. Fort Bend County represent, yo. Huge game last week. Strip sack. Sheldon Rankins took it to the house. Huge play. 
Back-to-back touchdowns on plays from scrimmage. Brevin Jordan to play before that. That strip sack. Huge, huge by Jerry Hughes. Now, he's going to be huge because there will be no John Grenard, and that's going to be a tough one. You hope Will Anderson can play, but Jerry Hughes, Derek Barnett, and MyJ Sanders are going to have to pick up the slack out on the outside. There's no question. Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with Jerry Hughes to talk about this one. We'll hear a little dirty uh, Drew's dozen later. But how about a little pregame interview with Jerry Hughes, Fort Bend County great, right here. Defensive end Jerry Hughes joins us now. Jerry, you've been through quite a bit. You've seen a lot of football. How special is it to be in this situation this time of year, knowing where you guys were this time last year? Oh, man, it's huge. I mean, it's an incredible turnaround for us this year. But, I mean, this is what we work for. I mean, to get an opportunity to get to the playoffs. I mean, this is what you spend your offseason, your training. It's always focused around getting to the postseason because we understand when you're in the postseason, anything can happen, and it's always an any given Sunday mentality. So, I mean, we're excited. I'm excited. I'm reminding the guys just how far we've come from being one of the worst defenses last year to already, you know, making our way to being one of the, the top defenses this year. And so, I mean, it, it just goes to credit to – how great of a coaching staff we have, how great of a team we have where guys are buying in and they understand that, you know, we can seize the moment now. You bring up that turnaround, and there's many, many reasons for that turnaround. You just brought up the defense being improved. Specifically, why is the run defense so much better this year? I mean, we got some dogs in front this year. I mean, not to say that we didn't have last year, but we added Rank, we added Will, we added Tart, we we got Khalil coming in where we – Coach Jock brought in another guy, Rod, who's a Houston guy as well, who's been working well with everyone. It's just been the way that everybody's come together so well, I think, and that's what you need for a D-line to be successful. You know, you got to have a very cohesive group, and that's what we got no matter who's on the field. We're always working towards one goal, either getting the quarterback or knocking the running back back for yardage loss. And so when you're thinking like that as a front, I mean, that's that swarm mentality that D'Amico talks about, and it shows on on Sunday. Yeah, it sure does. And, man, it it showed perfectly on the strip sack last week of Will Levis. How sweet was that for you? Oh, man, that was great. That's something that we talk about all week. Dino does a great job. Uh, Our secondary coach does a great job with his presentation about getting out the ball, as he calls it. And so, you know, for uh, us as a D-line unit to – get the ball, and then also having enough awareness to scoop and score, that was perfect. I mean, that was what we talked about all year on uh, defense. Just hated that it had to come so late in the season, but now we're hoping we can kind of get some more. Yeah, you're on the board with that score, and that doesn't happen all the time. You just bring up Dino talking about the ball security. Oh, yeah. We heard about it earlier in the season when Nico popped the ball loose after the interception. Can you take us a little bit deeper into that? Because people probably listening right now are like, well, what's he talking about, Dino? And what's he talking about? Yeah, so uh, during our team meeting, we have a presentation where he gets up and he discusses the importance of the ball. And so for us on defense, the offensive guys get to hear how, you know, we focus in on attacking the ball. I mean, it's just important for us to get the ball back to them. And then even more, if we can score, just because we know uh, the statistics say, you know, when a defense scores, uh, your chances of winning goes up astronomically. So for us, it's just them to get an insight of, how we approach them and what we think about when we're playing football and then we show it plays off when you know we just so happen to give them the ball on a uh, interception nico turns back into a defender he punches the ball out we get that ball we get to regain that possession mm-hmm. right back without even the offense leaving the field i mean that's just guys taking the meeting room to the field and that's just a testament to just great coaching when you can have coaches that are putting that into into play into the team meeting so both sides of the ball can benefit from it and then it shows up on Sunday that's even excellent 
Yeah, you guys were in control. It was 10 nothing when that happens. Yeah. You strip this, the ball, it comes out. Sheldon Rankin scores. It all but slammed the door shut on him, and it felt like a carnival the rest of the game. Like, I mean, yeah. as far as the state, it was yeah. a fun time after that. I mean, the game was basically over. Yeah, it was. I mean, guys just started flowing. It was just that ebbs and flow of the game. We caught a wave right when that touchdown happened, and it was just like we were hunting. You know, yeah. guys were pinning their ears back, and we were coming after it. Okay, let's move forward. What's the task ahead this week? How impressive an offensive line is this one in the Colts? Very impressive. I mean, Braden Smith is one of the top tackles out there. I mean, he does a great job of just neutralizing speed rushes as well as handling uh, the bull rush. Quentin Nelson is another veteran guard that does a great job as well. So for us, it's just how well can we attack Minshew? How can we get him off balance so he's not out there just playing pitch and catch? We know Jonathan Taylor's a great back. We know Zach Moss as well. Two backs that are over 500 yards rushing this year. So they got a double-headed monster right there. So we know uh, when... Anytime a coordinator has a, a stable like that, the run game is going to be persistent. You know, all four quarters we're going to see it. So we just got to knock it out and just, just understand it's going to be that kind of ball game where we're going to see those guys late in the uh, fourth quarter. We knock it out again. Nothing really changes for us. We still play our swarm football. You just brought up Minshew. You don't win nine games if you don't have effective quarterback play. Yeah. What's been so impressive about him? What makes him who he is? Uh, just how calm he's been under pressure, getting the ball out of his hands. He seems like he's using that play clock well to determine where he's getting the ball to, and then he does it very quick. He's very precise on who he's getting the ball to, how he gets it out. So for us, it's just up front, making it difficult for him, pushing some of those taller offensive linemen in his way. Maybe he'll shuffle his feet more. All of his linemen are over 6'5". He's 6'1", 6'2". So maybe just trying to use some of that to kind of slow him down, knock that timing off with him and uh, those receivers. You guys are one win away from the yeah. playoffs. So as a Houstonian, how special has this year been for you with all that in, in mind? Oh, man, this is great. This is like what you dream of as a kid, to play for your home city, to be one win away from the team that drafted you. You got to go in that hostile environment and beat them to knock them out of the playoffs. It's like this is football. This is sports at its finest. This is everything you can actually hope for right here. Yeah, I, you brought it up. I can't let you go without it. What's it like playing the team that drafted you, the, you know, the place where you started? Oh, it's always fun going back to Indy, reminiscing on uh, my first couple years there. But then just being in this position right now with all the chips on the line, the cards are on the table, either win or go home. And so when you have that mentality, that just heightens the game that much more. I told the guys, it's like being in tournament ball right now. Where we got our backs against the wall. We got to come out swinging. And everybody has that mentality, so we're ready. We are ready to. Jerry Hughes, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck on Saturday night in Indianapolis. Jerry Hughes. Let's get it. That's right, my man. Let's get it against the Colts. This uh, will tell you the venerable Jerry Hughes has been around for a while. I remember my dad calling me at some point back in the day, and he's like, hey, um, you should see this running back we played against. All-state running back, just a stud, thick, strong, fast. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. What's his name? Oh, Jerry Hughes. Oh, okay. Well, keep an eye on him. Where's he going to go? Oh, he's going to TCU. But he's not going to play running back. Okay. We're going to make him a defensive end, apparently. Like, all right, you're going for all-state running back to defensive end. Oh, we'll see how that goes. Well, it's gone very, very well for Jerry Hughes in his career. And it's something I, I, I try not to think about, especially with all that's on the line. And But I, you, you got to think about guys that have been around for a while. I, I hope to God this is not Jerry Hughes' last game, man. I really hope it's not. He has given so much to this organization in the two years he has been here. It has been so fun to watch and just really a joy to be around in the locker room. His veteran experience has meant a lot 
to Will Anderson, to John Grenard, um, and even to a guy like Derek Barnett, who's come in from Philadelphia. There's a great treat, tweet by Greg Rosenthal today about Derek Barnett. He said, Derek Barnett has five more pressures than anybody on the Eagles since Derek Barnett has been with the Texans. How about that? That's pretty impressive. Uh, and hopefully, Barnett, Hughes, Will Anderson if he plays, Myja Sanders, those guys are able to get back to the quarterback and make some plays. Now, when we get back, as we kick off the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to go behind enemy sidelines with Drew Doherty, of course. Then we're going to flip the script on Jerry Hughes. We're going to do a little Drew's Dozen to kick off the 7 o'clock hour. That's all next right here on Texans All Access. We got one hour now, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access from Indianapolis, kind of. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans up in Indianapolis getting ready for the game on Saturday. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know, yeah, game's on Saturday. I don't know why you'd be living under a rock, but it happens. You could be, you know, I don't know, beginning of the year. You could have been on vacation. You could have been gone. You might not have had access to your phone. Well, now you know. Saturday, 7.15, up in Indianapolis. And so that's where I am uh, doing a show. AKA, I recorded it before we left, needed to, to make sure we could put two hours together uninterrupted, if uh, that's the right way of saying it. Congratulations to John Mechie, voted 2023 Ed Block Courage Award winner. I don't think there is any explanation needed. If you know uh, John Mechie, uh, you know what he has overcome to be at this point right now. Recipients of the prestigious award are selected by a vote of their peers to recognize the superb efforts both on and off the field and their ability to overcome great adversity. Not only did he overcome an ACL, he overcame leukemia. He's got himself on the field. And I hope, I hope with all that I've got, that we see him make a massive play against the Colts and really get He's got his career going, but, man, a play against the Colts in a game like this would really kind of jumpstart things uh, for number eight. So we're looking forward to that on Saturday. Congratulations to one of the best guys you are ever going to meet. Now, one of the best guys I know is Drew Doherty. And this is his segment because we're going to go behind enemy sidelines first with Lawrence Owen from the Believe Network. Uh, He knows the Colts inside and out, the Colts Law Podcast. Here's Drew going behind enemy sidelines to kick it off. We are joined now by Lawrence Owen. He's the host of the Colts Law, the Believe in Colts podcast. Those are two different podcasts, but Lawrence, it's good to be with you. And my goodness, I, I'm i probably beating a dead horse locally here, but first time I'm saying it with you, it's wild that a year ago at this time, the Texans were coming off their 13th loss of the season. They'd been smoked at home by the Jaguars, and they had to go to Indianapolis to face another bad team in those Colts. And there was so much riding on that in such a different way. And now there's so much riding on it. And both of these teams are winners, no matter what happens. And there's so much riding on it. it how mind bending is that whole 365 day year thing in your eyes? Oh my goodness. I mean, you, you talk about it. I mean, this time last year, it came down to a hail Mary, right? On who was going to win between both of these teams. Who was going to get first, second pick? Who was going to end up getting fourth or fifth pick, possibly? And now we're coming in. Both teams are going to have winning records no matter what. One team has potentially the chance to win the division coming out of this. And in my opinion, this is kind of a a matchup 
not just determining, you know, who's going to most likely make the playoffs, but also who could legitimately take the lead in the coach of the year awards this, this season. Yeah. Yeah. And each of these guys has worked wonders. Shane Steichen up in Indianapolis, D'Amico Ryan's here. I know Shane Steichen was a candidate here for the job. I think both squads, both franchises got the guy they wanted. They got the guy mm -hmm. that was the best fit for them. How impressive has Steichen been and what he's been able to, to kind of assimilate with everything Chris Ballard has, has wanted to, to put into place? Well, it's really nice in multiple different levels. First off, since we've seen Shane Steichen here, there's been accountability. You know, when there's when a, a player doesn't perform or if he does something on or off the field that is detrimental to the team, gone, gone. Mm -hmm. they, there's no waiting. They're nothing. You know, it's just gone. They're, they only settle for a specific type of players that are beneficial to the team and the surrounding, you know, Indianapolis area and, and make the team look good, you know, on, on what they do. And then plus... He does, Shane Steichen does a, such a great job of designing his game plan and his plays around the strengths of his offensive players. It is absolutely amazing. It is refreshing to see uh, a, a team go into a game and you're like, I've never seen this play before, right? I, I, this is something that's new. This isn't bland anymore. Every every game you, you see two or three different plays that you're like, Oh wow, this is this is something up up and coming, you know, edge of the, you know, NFL world, things of that nature, and it's really nice to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, because he's the quarterback, Gardner Minshew's going to get naturally the Lions' share of attention, and I want to talk about him in a moment. But the thing that really impresses me most about this Colts bunch is that defensive front. Four different guys have seven sacks or more. They've set the franchise record as a team with sacks this year, 46, and you still got one more game to go. That's really impressive considering you got a guy, I think is a hall of famer and Dwight Freeney. You had Mathis there and those teams couldn't do what this team did. I got to imagine, have there been many games this season where that defensive line has not been much better than the offensive line they faced? Oh, uh, well, it depends. I mean, there are some good offensive lines that they face. Obviously you got like, the Cleveland Browns, right, which is a very, very good team. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Baltimore Ravens, right? You know, I mean, there there are good offensive lines out there, but really, what this defense focuses on is those two those two tackles, right? Yeah. On on the defense, you they, it's all about getting up the middle, getting pressure, uh, forcing the offensive line to double team the middle so that you leave your edges one on one, and it allows for so much to happen. Uh, for this defense, whether it's uh, being able to clog the lanes with your linebackers because your defensive tackles are are forcing double teams or that, you know, you could come off edges and stuff with when he does blitz, which is very, very rare, 14 percent, mm -hmm. you know, um, least in the league. But when he does, it's such a shock that it generally succeeds. So this defense in front for the Indianapolis Colts, it's it's what the defense for the Colts is built around it. The defense comes and goes as that defensive line comes and goes. Let's get back to Minshew. And we're talking right now with Lawrence Owen. He's a podcaster. He covers the Colts and has been doing so for a long, long time. He's actually a day one fan since 1984 when they arrived from Baltimore back in the day. But Lawrence Gardner Minshew, you are not a nine win team with one win to go. If you don't have effective play at the quarterback position, 
Why has Minshew been so effective this year? Ooh, that's a tough one. So I feel like he came in when they brought him in in the offseason. It wasn't just to be a mentor for whatever rookie, you know, Shane Steich and Chris Ballard grabbed in the draft. I felt like this was a, a guy they felt like could come in and actually compete for the starting job. Now, as right. we know, Anthony Richardson won that, but that was just because of his upside, I believe. Uh, Gardner Minshew uh, has been around the league, has been with this system, you know, at Philadelphia with Shane Steichen. He understands the system. He understands what, what Shane Steichen wants from his players. And I think that goes a long way, already knowing what's in place and being able to move with it. Plus, I mean, who doesn't like Gardner Minshew's, you know, total, yeah. you know, personality? It's just, it, it's fun to be around. He brings out the best in the players around him. No doubt. You know, as an aside, I used to, back in the day, before I worked for the Texans, or started with the Texans in 2009, from 05 through 08, I was out in Lubbock, Texas. I was a sports anchor uh, at the Fox affiliate. But on the weekends, I was the host of Mike Leach's TV show. So anybody that's good enough to be a quarterback for Mike Leach, you got my seal of approval too. And, you know, we're both, you and I are both familiar with Gardner Minshew from his days as a Jacksonville Jaguar. And, you know, he caused problems back then and, and was somebody to deal with when he was there. So with all that in mind, what's his relationship been like on the field with Michael Pittman? That's, that's been a, a nice, you know, give and take there, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. He has found confidence in Michael Pittman Jr. from day one. Back in training camp, he was getting his confidence. Anytime there was a, a breakdown in a player, he was under pressure. He just threw it in, you know, number 11's direction. And it was like, I know there's at least a 60% chance he's coming down with that 50-50 ball, even if he's double covered, right? Uh, so that earned his, you know, respect and his confidence early on, which then, of course, you know, translates into the season of being that guy as well. Even if he's not the first read, he gets into a second or third reads. He gets under pressure or something. He immediately looks towards number 11 and more often than not, number 11 will deliver for him. So it is, it is a nice combination to watch on the field. Lawrence Owen hosts Colts law, as well as the believe in Colts podcasts and Lawrence, Jonathan Taylor stats wise has not had the season. He's probably wanted Colts fans have probably wanted. However, He's had his successes over the years against the Houston Texans. Week 18, what Jonathan Taylor are the Texans looking to encounter? What 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 sort of shape is he in, and, and how uh, how effective do you think he's going to be and has been over the last week or two? Well, he's been riddled with injuries all season, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he missed the first part of the season uh, dealing with the ankle issue, you know, when he was on the pup list. Finally gets back from that, gets to play a few games, gets some, you know, a little under his belt so that he can get some wind in him because he didn't even practice during off season that whole nasty spiel that everybody remembers. And then he gets a few games in him. And then next thing you know, he's got to have thumb surgery. Right. And he misses three or four games out of that. And so he's just been back a game or two. And I feel like he's now getting comfortable fully with, mm -hmm. you know, his injuries and knowing that, you know, he's not going to have any kind of setbacks with these. This is a game. I feel like, you know, Week 18, last game of the year, everything is on the line. Don't expect him to hold back whatsoever. Right. I think, you know, he's already a tough runner, and we all we all know how fast he is. So I expect him to, to always be pushing for that extra two or three yards, and the Texans' defense are going to have to bring plenty of people to bring him down because one guy ain't going to bring him down by themselves. Right. 
And what do you make of the offensive line that's in front of him this season? That's a that's interesting. It depends. Uh, <laughs> so there has been some injuries there as well, especially at right tackle, uh, yeah. where Braden Smith uh, has missed some time off and on throughout the season due to ankle injuries and and knee injury. And now we had a rookie, Blake Freeland, come in. Now, this seventh-round rookie wasn't the best in the world. He was okay in the run game, but when it comes to pass blocking, he had his problems. Obviously, seventh-round rookie, offensive tackle, you don't expect a whole lot from a guy like that. But I think he held up on his own, uh, got a lot of learning experience in. Braden Smith came back last week and showed why, you know, he was that guy. With him on the field, it seems like, you know, this offensive line is complete, right? And you could see holes open up for the running game. You see that uh, less less pressure on the quarterback, things of that nature. And I feel like with all these guys on the field, they are a top five offensive line in the league. Yeah, they really – and it's something the Texans know all about over the last decade or so. You see them twice a year, and – there have been some successes. There have been some struggles, obviously. It's just so weird to be back. We started this podcast talking about it, and I'm, I'm circling back to it. Lawrence, what sort of atmosphere are you expecting Saturday night there at Lucas Oil Stadium? Very loud. Very, very loud. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it goes all the way back to the Peyton Manning days, right? He kind of He kind of groomed. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts fans at Lucas Oil Stadium, when to be loud, you know, right. on defense, when to be dead silent, you hear a pin drop when the Colts offense is on the field. He groomed that, and it still continues to this day, even though he hasn't been on the field in Indy for, what, good Lord, 22 years now? Uh, <laughs> or, well, 12 years. Twelve. Come years, on, man, 12. don't make us that old, dude. I'm old. I feel. I feel like it's been 22 years. No, it's been 12 years uh, since 2011. So, uh -huh. yeah, this this is a situation where, I mean, everything's on the line. Yeah. Right? You expect if this was if this was an NRG, I'd expect it to be just as loud there as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just I just hope that all the fans can uh, get along. I, I I'm so tired of seeing. Oh my goodness! Where on social media where you see some fans doing things to other fans that you don't like. Now this is Indiana. It's Hoosiers. You know, Hoosier hospitality is a real thing. Sure. You generally don't have that kind of thing. Right. So right. Um, hopefully any Texans fans that come into Lucas oil stadium can enjoy the game and the atmosphere as much as if maybe not as much as if they were at NRG, but you know, don't have to worry about any setbacks with the other fans of the home team. Right. Right. Well, Lawrence Owen, it was fun talking with you. We really appreciate the time. He hosts the Colts Law as well as the Believe in Colts podcast. He's an expert on the team, and it's going to be a fun one. It's never been like this. It's the first primetime game. It's the first non-noon game for both teams all season long. And yep. uh, the Texans, at least, have never been in a win-and-in or lose-and-go-home situation in week 18 of the regular wow. season. Isn't that wild? That is – that. wow. That's – unbelievable really for mm -hmm. the amount of time that houston's been around i yeah. mean colts just had that two years a couple ago years ago with, with a few years back yeah with uh yeah. all right lawrence well thanks so much again and we'll uh talk to you again down the line sound good appreciate you having me on but drew does his best work when he's doing a dozen and it gets a little wacky even 
in a serious week like this, a big week, Drew can, well, gain a little perspective just getting a laugh with Drew Doherty and Jerry Hughes. Check this out. Jerry Hughes, you're stuck in a 10-foot by 10-foot room, and it's filled with food. You've got to eat your way out of it, but what's the food you're going to choose to eat your way out with? Oh, my God. Favorite food is probably going to be Skittles. Skittles. It's the rainbow, yeah. so you got a nice little fun flavor for each different bite. Hey, speaking of Skittles, weren't you happy a few years back when they changed the green flavor back to lime from what it, whatever it was? It was like apple before? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was kind of getting used to the apple flavor. You know, I mean, it's been there for a while. Yeah. You might as well. I was going to say I secretly might have actually tried a couple of apples in, in between, you know, you know. So you were more of an apple fan. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. we eat apples. Now, green, Granny Smith's, don't ask me to name any more apples. There's <laughs> <laughs> well, Fuji, there's Banquet, oh, there's Red Delicious. We can go on and on. That's like a question in itself I should bring up Man, next week. That, yeah, that'd be a good one. See how many apples people know. Yeah, that's a good one. I've seen, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Which would you rather? You can be the fastest person in the world running. Okay. But you have offensive bad breath. Or... You can fly, but you have no sense of taste or smell. Drew, these are some good ones. I gotta go with flying. Yeah. Just because the offensive bad breath, that's a deal breaker, I feel like for anyone. I feel like we all get up so early in the morning to make sure we don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> How do you combat bad breath? I was gonna say, I mean, <laughs> chewing gum, spearmint, you know, a yep. lot of Listerine, but you can't carry that stuff around anymore. You know, we used to have the binaca back in the day. Oh, yeah. Ah, Showing mm -hmm. my age right there. No, hey, I'm with you. Okay, yeah, you, there you, we go. That's you're in the, you're speaking to the right clientele here. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> in the locker room, I'm always showing my age, so I always get reminded. Man, it's it's funny you bring that up because so, I, don't, I don't remember who it was, but it was somebody younger talking about the, the blue uniforms that the Oilers are wearing, and they yeah. said, yeah, Jerry's the only one that remembers that. <laughs> you were well, that, they were well gone before you'd gotten into the league, but you no. remember growing that up in Houston. Yeah, so, yeah, I remember being a, a Houstonian. We used to watch those guys. I remember wh where we were, watching them beat the Buffalo Bills when they made that first move to uh, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I had the old school starter set up, sure. warm moon, fresh out the box, go to... Little helmet on and everything. I was dressed in the nines back in the day, man. Little eight-year-old me, you couldn't tell me anything. Couldn't tell you anything. No. Hey, as a pass rusher, you've seen the stuff of, of Warren Moon over the years. Yeah. Has your appreciation for him only grown? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just not only how long he was able to play, but just to stay healthy. I mean, you yeah. got big, nasty guys like myself coming at you, trying to take the ball away, trying to hit you as hard as possible just because we hadn't seen you all day. You know, just want to be nice and introduce ourselves. But, <laughs> I mean, for any quarterback who can play that well and deal with that kind of punishment and be successful for those many years, man, I got to tip my hat to you because that's a gladiator sport right there. Yeah, and the rules protecting quarterbacks, right. not as generous back then as, as maybe they are today. Most overused emoji is what? For me or just a in general? Oh my goodness, probably the most overlooked emoji would be the one with the hands over the eyes. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. I don't know if you're laughing or if we're laughing together or right. are we embarrassed together? I have a lot of questions about that emoji. That's a good one. I mean, there's, there's, there's just so much going on with that one picture right there. Who sends you that the most? Oh my God, uh, it would probably be not only my wife, but probably the guys on the team, D-line guys. Okay. Normally I'll say something and it's just right after that. I'll get that emoji. I'm like, wait, so was that good? Am I in the, am I in the clear? I, like I said, you, you, you got to follow up with an emoji. You just can't leave it out there. It's not a hieroglyphic. Have right. you brought this up with them? Like, what's this mean, guys? Absolutely, or? all the time. And I'm what going. do they say? They just say the emojis mean what they mean. Oh, man, they're keeping it from you. That's what I said. Yeah. What does that mean? And for the record, I don't know what it means either, okay. so I'm not, I'm not in on this I'm not either. the only one in that boat. No, know? no, no, I'm no. good. Wild animal-wise, or... Train animal wise, mm. you can have any animal in the world as a pet. 
It's never going to go crazy. It's going to be fine. It's not going to hurt anybody. What are you going to choose? A bear. What type? Oh, man, I want one of those big brown bears. Yeah? Yeah, just walking on a chain, sitting next to me. I mean, because you always see him. I don't want anything to sneak up on you where right. you don't know it's there. I want the big old bear that can stand on his two legs. Yep. Big old bear hug when you see him. Oh, yeah. And then you have fun. Yeah. And you yeah, don't have to worry I mean, about anything bad happening. No. Right? I mean, nothing can take down the bear, like nothing. they say. Nothing. Do you got any pets of your own right now? I got two dogs. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a dog guy, so I got two German Shepherds, two oh. girls. So, yeah, I'm always messing with them. Love dogs. I mean, they're so sure. friends. Man's best friends for a reason, right? Of course. So, yeah. But, I mean, other than, that, other than that, any other animal I would leave, I would love to have a bear. And German Shepherds are kind of bearish, you know, like in appearance. I mean, I've never been that close to a bear, but I feel like you're right in, in the appearance. Hopefully with the behavior, you know, mm -hmm. always want to be around you. Maybe they love to protect us. And I'm no dog ex. I mean, I've got two dogs, too. Yeah. But from what I have encountered, seeing them out in the, the workforce with, you know, the police and, and all that stuff, German Shepherds are like some of the smartest too. They, they do smart. calculus and chores and stuff, right? Oh my right? gosh. Yeah. Like I think I haven't trained my dog at all and they never leave my side. And I'm like, man, thank you guys. Good make dogs. Yeah, I was going to say, they love the kids, so they make it easy for us. There you go. Now, do they snuggle on the couch or you keep them on the ground? Keep or them on the ground. Yeah, yeah I, I can't do the dog. You're a responsible dog yeah. owner because my little dogs, uh, the they're couch. also German dogs, but they're, okay. they're dachshunds. Oh, nice. So, nice yeah, they nice. hang on the couch. First thing you do when your eyes open in the morning when you wake up. <laughs> I get an alert to order Starbucks. So, <laughs> you need it, huh? Yeah, I was going to What's say, the order? Uh, a, a Venti pe uh, peppermint mocha. <laughs> you got to get Venti, but peppermint it mocha, huh? It is. It's a long drive in. It's about a 45-minute commute, so it kind of helps me kind of wake up there. Oh. Peppermint mocha, you got to ask my wife. She kind of introduced that drink to me a couple of years back, and it has yet to change. And it's stuck. That's a good thing. Stuck. Yeah. It's stuck. And, like, it's crazy because I open my eyes, and there's a... It's almost like Siri knows me. So mm -hmm. I, eyes open, phone lights up, and it's like, you want to place an order? And sometimes I'm like, no, but since you ask, you know. And it all comes back to the good breath thing, Absolutely. the peppermint fighting go. the coffee breath. There yeah, you see? I like it. So I'm, what's going on on this 45-minute commute? Are you talking to people? Are you listening? Combo of both? What's going on? Oh, man, it's a combination of between uh, podcast listening, mm -hmm. every now and then a little NPR news, and then just music. Okay. You know, just depending on, on today. Today was a throwback. Even though it's not Thursday, it's Thursday for the week. It the, feels for, like it because exactly, the game is on a Saturday exactly. instead of a Sunday. Yes. So throwback Thursday, so I'm hitting some of the oldies. I mean, some Monica, 3LW, might throw in some Fat Pad. I mean, just whatever's on that playlist. And we're just, man, it's, it's a blast from the past. You mm -hmm. know, we, we all have been listening to so much music. You get, you get it so much throughout the year. Anytime you can go back to the 2001s, you know, the 99s, the late 90s, psh, let it's it good roll. Stuff. It is. It good is. stuff. Make I'm sure. never going to pretend to pass myself off as a fat pad expert, but tops drop. Yes. We play that in between innings at my son's baseball game. I so. love that. And the hits always follow after. I mean, yeah. how could they not? The kids know the truth. Yeah. They Tops know an H-Town legend when they hear it. It's the best. It's the best. Uh, okay. Favorite place you've ever visited is what or where? Gosh, you know, I don't travel much, so I'm going to throw out Fiji. Probably the favorite place I've ever visited. It was an island, so of course you can have so much fun on an island. When you're yeah. on island time, I really got to understand the meaning of that. Mm -hmm. Waking up, enjoying a little mimosa with breakfast, with a little Corona, with or with lunch. You can do it with breakfast when you're on vacation. I was going to say, I mean, the way they say it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Right. So I was going to say, <laughs> island time was incredible, man. It was, it was great just to kind of get out of the U.S., not worry about anything, but just watching the sun rise and set. That was about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Favorite nickname is what? Oh, man. Because you have a few, don't you? I, you know what? Everyone says I have a few. I, I don't know if, if I do. I've, I've heard some of the guys call me Gary from back in the day. 
I know I'm a college guy. Is that just a mess with you? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Like a little play on Jerry. Right. But instead of being Jerry on the field, you turn to Gary. I know the college guys would call me Hulk or something like that. Just, I guess I just flipped that switch. I think that yep. might be the biggest thing for people is the, the, on, the off-field demeanor yeah. versus on the field. They don't see a correlation between the two guys, but I'm like, you can't be the same person on and off. You got to be able to let your hair down somewhere. You unquestionably can't. I mean, yeah. we, sitting in your seat last week was Christian Harris, and he said, yeah, a lot of people call me angry man. He's like, I don't think I'm an angry man. I was yeah. like, yeah, we're having a nice conversation here, but <laughs> when you're on the field, you gotta be, you got to be some angry. You know? got to be. I mean, you're, you're there for, what, 60 minutes? You get to have fun knocking people's heads around. So, I mean, if that doesn't allow you to kind of just let your hair down and be yourself, I mean, I don't know what else does, especially with this great game. In 2024, I would like to... Do new things. We talked about this uh, the other day. Yeah, I want to do new things, travel more, try new restaurants here in yeah. the city. We're always opening up good foods. And I'm constantly looking to find some places to go just to see what the what we got. We always yeah. got something new. The foods here is always great. So that, that's it for me. Try new foods, see new things, do new things. You will never run out of phenomenal places to eat in this town. And that's what I love. That's yeah. what I love, and I can't wait. Can't wait, Jerry. Great new things on the way for you, Jerry Hughes. We always appreciate the time. It's always good to be with you, my friend. Thanks for having me, man. Always. No, thank you, Jerry Hughes. And, of course, Drew Doherty and Lawrence Owen. We get back. I got to pick these games. Now, it's a little tricky to do this because I don't have all the information when I'm recording this show. But I'm going to do my best to give you winners against the spread and straight up for fun, for fun, next right here on Texas All Access. All right, it's time to dance. Week 18 in the NFL, and I'm going to pick them all straight up against the spread for fun, for fun. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and we've got we got to go because we got to hear D'Amico reloaded in our next segment, so we got to fly. Fastest three-and-a-half-ish minutes you're going to find breaking down these games that are happening this weekend. Full slate starting with Saturday all the way through Sunday night, so here we go. Go. Steelers taking on the Ravens. Pittsburgh favored by four on the road. I feel like the Steelers are going to get a win. They're going to eke one out, but the Ravens are going to get a cover. They're going to get inside that four. Snoop Huntley, I think, is going to play pretty well. And the Ravens don't want to get beaten twice, so I think they'll play hard in this one, even though they got everything sewn up. So Steelers win it. Ravens cover, get inside the four. The Bucks are taking on the Panthers. The Bucks win. They win a division. They lose. They're out. Tampa Bay's favored by four and a half at Carolina. Bucks win, Bucks cover. Browns, Bengals. The Browns playing a bunch of backups. The Bengals, well, they're out of the playoffs too. Cincinnati's favored by seven. Let's give Cincinnati the win. The Browns are going to, they'll keep it close, but not within seven. So Bengals win, they get the cover. They'll finish nine and eight. Vikings out of it. Lions in it. Lions got hosed last week. Lions are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to give them the win and the cover over the Vikings in Detroit. Jets, Patriots, both teams out of it. It's in New England. New England's favored by two. Patriots seemingly always beat the Jets, but I'm going with the Jets for this one reason. They win this game. They'll finish 7-10, just like last year. So, Jets win, and I get two points. So, I'm taking the Jets to win and to cover. Falcons and Saints. Big, big one. Now, these teams need help. But if they get some help from the Panthers and then the Falcons win over the Saints, well, then the Falcons represent the NFC South. But if they don't get any help from the Panthers, it won't matter. The Saints are playing at home for three-and-a-half-point favorites. Game's at noon, so it's going to be a bitter, bitter struggle. I think the Saints are the better football team, especially at home. They'll win this by a touchdown, 24-17. Saints win and cover that three-and-a-half. Jaguars, Titans. 
Don't know the status of Trevor Lawrence. He's limited in practice. C.J. Beathard won an injury report, but he was a full go. I really would like to see the Titans get the upset. However, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Jags are going to go get the win. They'll win the AFC South um, in Nashville. But it's going to be within the three. Jacksonville's fair about three and a half. I think the Titans will get inside that. I think it's going to be like 2017, uh, 17-14, something like that. I don't think either team scores a ton. Um, and we'll see what the Titans are going to do at quarterback with Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill. I would love to see it be Tannehill because then I think the Titans have a shot. Seahawks, Cardinals. Seattle's fair about two and a half. At Arizona, and uh, the Seahawks are still in it. They win, and the Packers lose. They go to the playoffs. I think Seattle's going to win this one narrowly, right at the number two. So we'll give Seattle the cover because it's minus two and a half. Packers playing the Bears. The Packers will not lose this one, even though the Bears are playing better. The Packers win. They'll go to the playoffs, and they'll cover the three. Chiefs, Chargers. Chiefs are in. Can't change their seating. Chargers probably just playing out the string. Chargers are favored by three and a half as a result. Let's go Chargers to win. Chiefs to cover. Broncos, Raiders, Raiders favored by three at home. I think that Aiden O'Connell will get it done. They'll win that by four or more. So a win and a cover for the Raiders. Eagles, Giants, Eagles will win that by a touchdown. Rams, Niners, San Francisco playing at home. Not really playing for much. Neither team actually playing for much. 49ers will win and cover. Cowboys will hammer the Commanders by more than 13. And the Bills will go down to Miami and beat the Dolphins. There you go. Those are your predictions straight up and against the spread. Coming up next, it's D'Amico. Reloaded right here on Texans All Access. We go on final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio in Indianapolis. Appreciate you guys being with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. There's no better way to get ready for this Colts game than a little D'Amico Ryan's Reloaded. We talked to D'Amico earlier this week to talk about the win over the Titans and looking forward to taking on the Colts. Take a listen. And here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio with us is head coach D'Amico Ryans. Huge week. We appreciate the time, coach. Congratulations on beating the Titans and having this big opportunity. You always say it. You earn the right for these things, and you guys certainly have. For sure. You know, it's uh, it's an exciting moment, and our guys have earned this moment, and that's what I'm most proud of, right, to be in this position because of the work, the sacrifices that they made, the work that they put in to have us in this position. Man, it's, a, it's a huge honor to be able to – still be vying for an opportunity at this point in the season. So excited for the opportunity, excited for our guys to experience it. Coach, every single week, noon, 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 noon. You get a routine of doing it at noon, all of a sudden, record scratch. <laughs> Saturday at 7. I know it's 19 hours difference. It doesn't sound like a whole lot, but in your world, that's a massive difference. How do you kind of go about making the changes of doing things a day early? Yeah, for sure. So we, we just bump our schedule up. So typically this will be our oh, our day after game, yep. right? Monday for us. Now we just you get we had our victory Monday, or this is the guys' victory Monday. Now we just bump it all up. So now we play on Saturday. That's you know we just count. That's our Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so right. tomorrow will be our Wednesday. So guys may get a little confused. We come <laughs> in here tomorrow. It's like hey, this is our Wednesday. This is our Thursday, Friday, and we get going on the same schedule just to keep our guys yeah. into the same routine that we've been on all year. All right, more on the upcoming game in just a few moments, but a little reflection on the Titans game. One thing that stood out to me in the first matchup was 
stop after stop after stop that you made, the kind of energy and commitment that took, but you were able to duplicate that in the rematch, Coach, and your defense really came up strong time and time again. Yeah, really. As I always talk about, it was the defensive line, right? And the the pressure that they were able to generate up front, right, really controlling the line of scrimmage in the run game and then in the passing game where – and I was looking up. It's like, okay, I don't have to really call a blitz. They're getting, they're getting there with the front four. I mean, Coach Jock, Coach Rod, they did a really great job of, you know, scheming this, their game plan, all right, for, for how we wanted to rush these guys. They did a really good job no matter who was up. Everybody was able to be effective. Everybody contributed, right? Even Kurt is getting in. We got mm-hmm. Derek Barnett. You got Will, all right? Jerry, each guy was able to be effective. Uh, Tart stepped in, played big for us in the run game. So to have all eight D linemen contribute, that was the reason why we were successful. Was Stingley game. an honorary defensive lineman <laughs> for that <laughs> stop? Where you he went was. Nuts? He's very much so an honorary <laughs> D lineman, and he's flexing. He's saying, yeah, I, I'm a box safety. I can be a box <laughs> safety. <So> he was. Uh, <laughs> I was happy to see him I mean, step up and make that tackle. And, Actually, Coach Dino had showed me a tackle he made, like, I think it was last year, mm. versus Derrick Henry on the edge. He's like, hey, Coach, he's done it before. Mm. And so it was cool to see him step up and do that again. All right, Coach, I'm going to kind of bridge the gap between what I want to ask you about with a, with a stat. Your sack yardage yesterday was higher than Derrick Henry's rush yardage. Your sack yardage accounted for 50 yards and losses. Derrick Henry was only able to come up with 42 and you know the nemesis he's been. You slowed him down almost to a crawl this uh, the time in Nashville. You did it again this time. What was key in making sure that he didn't hurt you? We've talked about eliminating the runway, killing the engine, those kind of things. Did you repeat that the way you wanted to yesterday? Yeah, we did. For the most part, we repeated that. It was also it starts with setting the edge. He got out on us one play where we kind of got nosy and peeked inside, and he got a, a long run on us, but – you take out that run, and for the most part, our guys did a good job of setting the edges, balling him up, making him check his feet, stop and start, and our guys were swarming. And that's what allowed us to play really good versus him. Derek has been a great back. He's over 1,000 yards rushing yeah. again. Like, he's been a great back in this league, and it's, it was a huge task for our guys, and they were up to it. I knew they were going to come in and try to establish a run game, get Derek going again. But our guys, they stood up, they made plays, and they played together. I know you probably want to run it for 200 a game or whatever, Coach, but (laughs) we've seen tremendous progress here in the second part of the season, more consistency in the ground attack. Is that the way you feel about it? It has been very much more consistent. I think guys are dialed into what we're asking them to do. Guys are really executing what we're asking them to do much better. O-line, they've done a great job of targeting their guys, their hat placement, being in the proper leverage, and Motor, he's done a great job of running the ball for us, and just continue to lean on him and what he's able to do, at creating those five plus runs to keep chains moving. Yeah, he did a he did a tremendous job. But your quarterback was back for the first time in right. in three weeks, playing against the Jets December tenth. He's back December thirty first. How do you feel like CJ not only played but managed the situation, managed the operation today? I felt CJ. I mean, from the from the warm ups, I felt he was very calm. Yeah. Like throughout mm. the and, and it showed just throughout the entire game, he was very calm. He was he didn't get too high, too low. Like even if he made a mistake or something, he was like, oh, okay, my bad. I, and he just kept moving. He put that behind him and he just kept pressing forward. So I really loved his demeanor 
in the game. And I think that calmness, that confidence, everybody felt that he played really well, made great decisions with the football, went going through his reads, you know, exactly how we coach him up to do it. So he did a really great job in this game. What about the chemistry he has with Nico? We know it's there with Tank. We yeah. don't have Tank anymore this season. But with Nico, clearly there's something special brewing there. Oh, for sure. They, it, so I tell him, Nico is always open, looks like. He's just, <laughs> just going to find a way to get the ball to him. And they have that special connection. And it's it's really fun to see. Every time he, he lets it go, I was just like, who is he throwing? It's Nico. Like, it's yeah. a toe tap on the sideline or something. Mm -hmm. He's always open. But Nico, right, he has had such a great year. Right, and I think CJ has felt that, you know, that confidence in throwing the ball to Nico because Nico continues to make play after play for him, and those guys, their connection has has truly grown. Like now, you get can't get Tank back, but man, right, yeah. you think about the connection from CJ and Tank, and now how it's just trans transpired to Nico being able to make those plays, and CJ has the confidence in Nico, and they have a true connection, and that's what we have to lean on. As we continue to press forward throughout the season, right, that's our big-time playmaker. We have to lean on him to make those plays for us. Coach, we've talked to both you and Nick throughout the year, and one of the things we say, well, hey, this guy's injured or this guy's not able to play, this guy's suspended, what are you going to do? And you have constantly said three words, <laughs> four words, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Brevin Jordan goes in at – playing more fullback than he's played. I mean, obviously all you know, tight ends nowadays are playing all over the place, but he played more fullback because Andrew ends up getting banged up and can't play. What'd you think of the way Brev stepped in and kind of accepted that role? I talked to him after the game and he was probably more happy about his blocking <laughs> than he was catching the touchdown pass. Oh yeah. What'd you think of him kind of stepping into the, we'll figure it out role at fullback. <laughs> he fit right in. Yeah. That's what it is. We figured it out. Brevin was excited about that opportunity and, it was just cool to see, like, when he made a block and to hear how everybody's just fired up behind. Yeah, great block, man. Yeah. He's coming off to the sideline. We're high-fiving because everybody knows what goes into that, yeah. right, and how much it means just to make that block, right? And Brev was – we always talk about dominating your one-on-one, and he did that in those instances, being at the fullback position, and he was up for the challenge. Brev had a really nice game, and it was cool. We do this compete period on – Thursdays, a third down compete period, and Brev was open and he missed one. And I told him, and I said, Brev, you got great hands, man. You're going to be in this position again, and you're going to make this play for us. So it's none cooler than to yep. see him make the play, mm. the catch from CJ yep. for the touchdown. Brev has done a great job all year, and he's continued to get better yep. right in that tight end role. And now slash fullback, he's sure. doing a good job of blocking. But he's a young player who's continuing to ascend. What about the tackle situation? I've lost track of all the adjustments you had to make here on the O-line coach, but yeah. you had Laramie nicked up or whatever. You had George going over to the left, Charlie Heck playing right, and we just got him back recently <laughs> relatively. So your thoughts on that? Uh, it starts with just man, having a deep group where you can, you know, having that flexibility to move guys around. Right now we had George who goes in that left tackle, and we, you know, we continue to drive. We continue to be efficient. We don't lose a step there. Uh, Hopefully we can get Laramie back you know, this week. Hopefully it's not that bad. We'll see how he progresses throughout the week. But it's also comforting to know when you got guys as Charlie, right, and George who can step in and we can continue to run our offense. Guys can continue to protect our edges, which is 
the utmost important, right? We have to make sure CJ is protected, and those guys have done a great job. How bizarre is it when you see all right, Tier Tart makes a play for you against his former team? <laughs> You're looking at Wallow over there. Wait a minute, that's yeah. that's their guy now. He's playing defense for them. It's strange, but that's the NFL, yeah, right? That is, and a lot of moving pieces in the NFL. Yeah. A lot of guys moving from team to team, and the main thing is a lot of guys like Wallow. Like a lot of guys just want the opportunity to play, mm -hmm. right? And you know, we try to keep Wallow around, but he's he's like, man, I got the opportunity to go play and. As a coach, you kind of selfish. You want to keep him, but at the same time, like, no, man, go ahead. Right, you deserve it. Like, he did yeah. a great job for us on our scout team all throughout the year. Probably won about five scout team players of the week. Mm. And, you know, he deserved the opportunity to go play. So I was happy to see Wallow out there playing, you know, significant snaps. And, I mean, we were able to get one of their guys and Tart yeah. able to get him off of waivers. And he's been a good addition for us, a big guy, you know, really playing good in the run game. It's something we've been missing in the run game, having a bigger body in there. He did a good job of stepping up for us. Coach, you've had defensive stops throughout the year, and I think asking you your favorites probably choosing between your kids. Well, I love this thing. You're not <laughs> going to do that. I feel like the one we saw yesterday was my favorite because it was seven opportunities for them to get in the end zone, and you shut every single one of them down. And we watch on Friday – that back end zone where you guys are working on the red zone routes and things like that we right. see you working on it and i was standing at the same spot watching all of that work really come to fruition i think that's probably why i was you know happiest with it because you took something from the practice field and put it right in practice out on the game field what do you think about when you went back and watched the film of that seven seven play stop what do you think of that stand you know it makes for me as a coach it just makes you really proud that our guys were able to go through what you, as you spoke about the practice and how many times we go through all these different route concepts and we try to throw everything at the guys, yeah. right? And the way they handle it on Friday to see them step into that moment in the game, as you say, seven stops, like everybody was so calm, so confident and more yeah. like they were, they were ready to, they matched all the routes. I mean, you say perfect, they, they were on it yeah. exactly where they're supposed to be. And no better than the one where Christian, he's able to play the stick route. Been trying to get Christian to play that all year. Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. finally plays it perfectly and gets the pass breakup, right, to get the fourth down stop. Now I'm so fired up for Christian in that moment because I know how much work yep. has went into, right, teaching and trying to make sure we understand those pattern matches and be exactly where we're supposed to be. And he had a perfect rep there to get us off of the field. Yeah, now he's got to work on a jugs gun because yeah. that's 100 the you other way. You got to catch it, yeah, right? That's yeah, 100 the other way. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Good highlight. Uh, Coach Kareem Jackson got into the game. We haven't had a chance to discuss him with you yet. Last week we talked, but you acquired him after that. So what did you see from Kareem so far? I know it wasn't a ton of plays, but it was something. And what are the expectations? Yeah, for Kareem, we wanted to get him uh, get him about 15 to 20 snaps just to get him get his feet wet, so yeah. to say, just to get him used. I know we got him in practice on Wednesday, so it was a lot of new terminology, right? Mm -hmm. Coverages he's played before, but you have to get used to the terminology how we do things, we may match things a little different. So just trying to give him, let him, allow him to get more comfortable with what we do, and he'll probably just snap. So probably there'll be an uptick in his snaps the mm -hmm. more comfortable he gets. All right, we've uh, we finished the regular season. I said that to you yesterday. <laughs> Welcome to the playoffs because yeah. it is that mode of well, we don't know after this week. I mean, win, keep playing. I mean, you've been in that role before, coach, with the 49ers played in the playoffs with the Texans. There's something special. I, I know it's week 18. I get it. But it's a win and keep going situation, which you've definitely earned. What are your thoughts kind of just 
that in and of itself that it comes down to one game to keep it going for the season. Yeah, like you mentioned, man, it is the playoffs right now. You win and you stay in, yeah. and that's that's the mindset. That's how we have to approach it. That's what it is, win and stay in mentality. But for our guys, as we talk about and as we go through our preparation throughout the week, right, your, your focus still stays the same. Just yeah. as you prepared last week, don't make anything bigger than what it is. It's still about going out and playing clean football, about executing, about swarming, playing together. We do that, then – it takes care of itself. Yeah. But we can't have our guys get too hyped up about it being this, this playoff opportunity. We just have to remain confident, remain calm in the moment, and play clean, and it takes care of itself. As opposed to the Titans, which was two weeks apart between the two matchups, the Colts, week two, feels like 100 <laughs> years ago. How are you different from well, that game? You've evolved a lot as a team since then. Definitely have evolved a lot. We kind of we know who we are <laughs> as yeah. a team now. Let's say in week two, you're kind of still trying to figure out right who you are, the style of play you're going to play. You have an idea of how you want to do that going into the year, but it takes time for a team to gel, and it takes time to see like who are the real playmakers, who's going to step up in those moments when the lights mm -hmm. are on. So you kind of figuring your team out, and man, I didn't know who we were <laughs> at yeah. that point in time of the year, but it's awesome to see. All right, the growth from our team from that game two mm -hmm. to where we are now, you just you know who the you know who we are, or right? you know the style of play that we want to play. Just um, and it's it's just cool to see the different guys who are in stepping up now. We lost a lot of guys who mm -hmm. I was looking at that film like, man, where, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where did he come from? Where right. is he now? It's like man, it's a completely different team. So yeah. it's just that's the NFL. It's such a long season and how mm -hmm. you grow and how your team kind of shapes and forms at the end of the year, and it gels at just the right time. As I told our guys, man, we're just now hitting our stride. Mm -hmm. We know who we are. We know how we need to play. We know what it takes to win games, and we just have to keep thriving in that role. How yeah. are they different? Yeah, they're they're different, and where I, where I think they're different is just they're the running game mm -hmm. of these guys. They ran the ball well versus us, but now getting all right, Jonathan Taylor back, I yep. think that's where they're going to – Lean heavy. They, mm -hmm. They're they going to run it. They probably run it more than anybody in the league. So we have to do a really good job of stopping the run. And the quarterback, I think he's just been so efficient. Yeah. They don't throw it deep a lot. But when they scheme up some shot plays, they're wide open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're able to make those plays. But they're very efficient, throwing the ball under 10 yards, getting the ball into their playmakers' hands. About Pittman, right? And, and they're, he's able to make some big-time plays for them. Coach, on the defensive side of the ball, They've got two of the best in the middle with DeForest right. Buckner and, and Grover Stewart. And that's one thing that hasn't changed from week two to week 18 is you still got to face those two hosses in front. How problematic is that for your interior to have to block those two guys all yeah, game? That's going to be that's gonna be a problem. Those are two big-time playmakers. They're big guys. They're going to cause problems run game, pass game. So you have to find ways to slow them down as much as you can, whether it's getting on the perimeter, right, double teams, sliding the front. Right, sliding the protection to one guy or the other. You just have to scheme it up the proper way so those guys don't wreck the game. I'm still mad at John for having traded him from the 49ers <laughs> to the Colts, but, you know, we got to let it go at some point. Uh, what about playing at night? The dynamic of being on the road, you have all day in the hotel, haven't had this since the preseason, and this is something because, as John said, you're used to these noon starts. So how do you handle a day 
in the hotel while you're getting ready for such a huge game at night? I kind of go back to our preseason uh, game versus the Saints. When the last time we were in this position, we played uh, the night games. So I go back to that schedule and kind of see how we did that. And we'll have a chapel, a mass for our guys on Saturday morning mm -hmm. right before the game. They'll wake up, breakfast, chapel, mass. Then we'll have a few special teams walk through, O&D walk through just to get the guys up moving around so nobody's just laying in the bed all day. Yeah, yeah. I want the guys to be up and moving around. And then after that, just guys, whatever you need to do to get ready, hop on the buses and have your mindset right and we're ready to roll. Coach, I want to ask you about something CJ said during his presser. He said the time is now. He's like, I, you know, he didn't have to say it, but it's like he's 22. Everybody knows the future is going to be great with him um, and with everything that's going on here. But he said, no, 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 we're not worried about that. We're worried about it right, right now. This is the time for us. What are your thoughts when your young quarterback says something like that? Yeah, I love it because that's, that's the truth of the matter, right? No one can predict what's going to happen in the future, even though people may say, oh, the future is bright or we have young talent. Like, every year is different. Mm -hmm. Things happen. God, you lose guys. Teams change every year. So you have to own the moment that we have right now. Right now, we have an opportunity versus the Colts. So that time is right now. We handle business the right way. We know how good our team can be. We know how good of football we can play. So that time is now, and I definitely agree with what CJ says. The time is now. Let's go make it happen on Saturday. We'll see you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Go Texans.